we're really excited. Um, we have Greg Kelly here um, tonight. He's going he's gonna to speak to you, and without telling you too much about what he's doing, I just want to share a little bit. Um, Res Life has a huge heart for, for what he's doing and what World Mission is doing. Um, we support them. We meaning you. So when you give, part of your giving goes to World Mission and what they're doing. And um, we partner with them in many different levels, in many different countries, in many different projects, which I'm sure you'll hear about. So we're just really excited for you to hear about what God's doing through Greg Kelly and World Missions. And with that, I'm going to have you come up and rock it. All right. Hey, good evening. Good evening. I love that. All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, it's such a joy to be here um, for a lot of reasons, but uh, first and foremost, because uh, this is home. This is where my, my wife and I and our family, uh, this is the well that we drink from. And it's a good well, isn't it? And it's a deep well. And we are all blessed to, uh, to be a part of this family that we call the Resurrection Life. So thank you, Ryan, for that uh, very kind introduction. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to sharing with you tonight um, about what you're doing, uh, what's going on in the kingdom, what, what God is doing uh, in the nations of the world. And uh, were some of you here the other day when Pastor Bernie on the Sunday morning, he talked about missions in general, and he spoke about just how, how our, our, our church is doing amazing things around the world. Do you remember that? And uh, he, he mentioned, uh, I think it was something like $2 million or something just amazing of how we're investing into the nations. And I just wanted to give you one quick story before I got going of something you wouldn't hear about from the pulpit, but because we're here, I can give you some insider information. Uh, just as a quick example, there was a missionary that uh, he had introduced me to that we connected with, and uh, this guy serves in a closed country, uh, a country that if you become a follower of Jesus, you'll be imprisoned for three years. So uh, needless to say, they do things very secretive. And uh, we'll talk more about uh, the treasure, which is our solar-powered audio Bible. But in this instance, even the treasure, which is just a small little device, is too big of a footprint. And so uh, Bernie connected me with him, and we put in this man's hand something called the light stream, which you can see out at our booth out there. And the light stream essentially is an invisible treasure. And what it does is it, is it sends a message out uh, to people's cell phones over the internet. So it shows they have an internet connection. So people are walking past this missionary's uh, area. He has a, a business that he set up. And uh, meanwhile, loading onto their phone is the Jesus film and the word of God and all kinds of awesome things. So uh, that's something that this church makes happen. So guys, there, there's things, the word is going forth around the world and you are intimately a part of it. So thank you for your faithfulness. Um, just quickly, I'm going to introduce you to my family, uh, Kathy and our children. I think there's a photo uh, of my amazing family. Kathy and I, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So yeah, with our five children there, it's, uh, it's very funny. We were at the grocery store the other day and I saw a young gal, and she had two shopping carts. She didn't have any food, but she had two shopping carts. So the one shopping cart was in front of her, and she had two little ones kind of hanging out of there, you know. And then she was pulling behind her uh, a second one with a, with, that had a, uh, uh, you know, a car uh, that you put in your, in your car. What do they even call it? I forget, man. It's been so long, you know. 
There we go, the car seat, thank you very much. A mom right there, right? So she's dragging her three kids to this grocery store and all these flashbacks came to me as you know, I'm thinking about our own little tribe there. And I looked at Kathy and I'm like, honey, I'm like, do, do you miss those days at all? And she kind of looked at that lady and she looked at me and she's like, no, not really. Not really. We kind of paid our dues, but the Lord has blessed us with five uh, amazing children. And uh, I have had the privilege of not only being married to Kathy for 25 years, but also of uh, being at World Mission. In two months' time, it'll be 19 years as the director at World Mission. And I can honestly tell you this evening that I feel like I'm doing what I was created to do. I'm passionate about what I do, and uh, tonight we're gonna talk more about that. Your point of contact, actually, outside of, you know, you may have seen me around uh, Rez, is out in the parking lot, you'll see a blue and white drop box. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That says uh, shoes and clothing, that's, that's actually ours, and that goes to our organization and helps uh, support us. But I wanted to start tonight, and I wanted to talk to you about, we're gonna talk this evening about uh, how humanitarian aid uh, is so critical in the proper balance with evangelism and missions. And we're gonna just unpack that a little bit and we're gonna look and, and see some things that the Lord's doing around the world. But in, in starting, I wanted to share with you a couple of experiences that I had that really were formational in who I am today and kind of directed me, uh, you know, sort of in, in how my, my quest for missions. Um, the first one actually goes back to when I was 20 years old when I gave my life to Jesus. You know, one of the things I'm so thankful for that, that Pastor Dwayne or whoever is, is, is delivering the word on Sunday morning, they always throw the net. Hey, when's the last time you've been in a service at Resurrection Life where, where someone didn't throw the net and at least give people an opportunity to come to know Jesus? I'm so appreciative of that in, in this, this house of worship. And for me, um, I grew up, I was, there's a people group called the Creasters. Has anyone ever heard of the Creasters? Yeah, yeah, so I was a phenomenal Creaster. Those are people who faithfully go to church every Christmas and Easter. So that was me, I was a very good Creaster. But I had no clue of who Jesus was. And, uh, and then this young lady who I was dating invited me to this church, I think it was a secret attack. But she invited me, I actually married that young lady, by the way, and she invited me to this church, and uh, to be real honest with you, I thought they were crazy. And uh, if you're here today and you think that people around here are crazy, uh, just wait, they're not crazy. They just are in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that's all, they're not crazy. And so I came to this church, and the pastor at the end, he you know, gave an altar call, like you've heard so many times from our own pastor. And he said, you know, just being a good person isn't good enough, right? And you need to have a relationship with Jesus. And I thought I was the only one who raised, you know, my hand as I, as I came down there. And this is what happened, the seed that was established inside of me. I came down to this altar, I prayed the sinner's prayer, I became a new creation in Jesus. And when I turned around, people that I had never met in my life were weeping. There was tears in their eyes over, over my salvation. Kathy was, was crying, she was sharing the story with them, and they were crying for me. And that so impacted me, because you know, one of the things that, that needs to happen in the body of Christ, and, and let me just preface everything tonight by saying, Resurrection Life is, is it's not the normal church from a mission standpoint. 
We do things tremendous, and trust me, I have the privilege to travel not only in Michigan but around the country, and I, I see what God's doing around the, the country and missions, and a lot of churches are, are just not, they're, they're, they're missing an opportunity. Let me just say it like that, okay? We're doing a tremendous job here. But one of the things that needs to happen for us to be obedient and complete the final words of our Lord Jesus Christ is we need to have a compassion for people that we'll never know. Somebody that you'll never see this side of heaven. We, our heart needs to break for the reality of their eternity. We need to have a compassion for that. The second experience I had that was very formational was my very first mission trip. Who, who here has been on a short-term mission trip? You can, okay, we're gonna go there. Let's, let's go to your first short-term mission trip, okay? Think about that. I'm gonna tell you about mine, which was probably about 22 years ago. I went to the country of Bosnia. I flew, actually it was in Croatia. I flew into Zagreb and I was driving to Sarajevo. And we were rebuilding an orphanage that had been bombed during the first, the first Bosnian war. And as we were driving, the, you have to understand the backdrop is spectacular. The Alps are just unbelievable. Imagine the Rocky Mountains and multiplying it by four. I mean, it's just spectacular. So you're, you're driving around, you're seeing this, all this crazy beauty, and then you'll come around a corner, and there before you is a mass gravesite from the war. I mean, trying to reconcile that is, is a great challenge. And I can remember as we were driving along the road, I, you know, there wasn't a lot, of, a lot of places to stop. So like a typical guy, you know, I had to go to the bathroom and I kind of get out and I start walking off to the side of the road and the guy who's driving, he goes, oh, he goes, oh, Brother Greg, Brother Greg, you probably don't want to do that. And I'm getting ready to go off the road. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, one of the French peacekeepers from the UN um, just uh, a week ago, they were on this road and they walked off into the bush and they stepped on a landmine. So it's probably not a good idea, don't, don't, don't go over there. So it just kind of was an opportunity to, you know, right in the middle of the road, it was a, a very unique experience for me. But that was my first encounter in missions. And I thought to myself, here the beauty is of God's creation, but what human being, because I heard the stories of how these people died, you'd see a village and every man, woman, and child from that village was in this mass gravesite. Oh, there wasn't a, a, any kind of a humane way of killing these people. They were, they were killed to death in the most torturous ways imaginable. And all I could think of is what human being has the capacity to do that to another human being. But then you start thinking further and you realize Jesus died for them. That will mess with you. And so the second thing that the Lord seated inside of me is that in order for us to fill the Great Commission, not only do we need compassion for people we'll never meet this side of heaven, but we'll need to go to places that are really unattractive, hostile, and, and dangerous. We'll need to go there. Because after all, Jesus' last words are what are at stake. It's not some suggestion. You know, Jesus doesn't waste any words, let alone the last thing he said in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all I have commanded. And surely I'll be with you always even to the ends of the ages. Those are the final words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when I think about missions, 
I think, you know, so many times when we think about missions in the Great Commission, we say, oh yeah, 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 we got that figured out. Go, go, go. I think sometimes we overemphasize just go in the Great Commission without processing and unpacking what the rest of what Jesus is saying. For example, right after Jesus says go, what does he say? He says make what? Disciples. Jesus didn't say go make converts. Because the places in the world today which haven't received the gospel, converts won't survive. They won't make it a day. These hostile environments. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples. And in the world today, in the areas where the gospel's not been seated in the 1040 window, the Eastern Hemisphere, North Africa, over into Asia, there's some five million pastors serving faithfully there who have never had any kind of biblical training. Imagine that, five million pastors without access to Bible training. Now the good news is that there's all kinds of people coming to know Jesus. Parts of the Great Commission were doing a great job on 178,000 people are coming to know Jesus every single day. Is that amazing or what? Does that blow you away? Every single day, 178,000 people are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, 85% of all the churches are being shepherded by a leader or a pastor who have no formal training. And so when we look at the Great Commission, we need to take all aspects of it and say, okay, it's not only go, just head off this way or that way. No, 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 no. It's about making disciples. It's about going to all nations, right? Make disciples of all nations. Now, when you think of nations, what do you think of? Think of Afghanistan, Albania, Bosnia, Burkina Faso, Cambodia, uh, you know, keep on going down the list, right? That's actually not what Jesus was talking about. Because there's about 195 countries, but that's not the word that's in that verse of the Great Commission. That word nations actually in the Greek means ethne or, or ethnos, which literally means people groups. And so the challenge with that is that if we just stop at countries and say, okay, using Kenya as an example, yep, we've done missions in Kenya, check. Let's move on to Uganda. Let's move on to Ethiopia. We will miss the heart of that verse because Kenya is a country, but inside of Kenya, there are 111 nations or people groups. Many of them have never heard the gospel message for the first time. And so as we're looking at the Great Commission as Christians, we, we need to say, okay, what is the need in the nations? How can we be strategic about allocating ourselves into the nations of the world that have never heard? God's doing great things, guys. He's doing amazing things. There's, there's some statistics I want to show that, that demonstrate that. Just what I would call the status of global Christianity. Look at from 1900 to 2000 and even today. When in 1900, you had 558 million Christians. Look at what happens today. 2.4 billion Christians, followers of Jesus. And the projections for 2050 are 3.4 billion. Just looking at Africa, 1900 going from 8 million to today, 542 million followers of Jesus. 
There's exponential growth, crazy, awesome things that are going on. Christianity in Sub-Saharan Africa has climbed from 9% in 1910 to 63% in 2010. But if all we're doing is just focusing on just kind of the going and the, 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 the checklist, then we are gonna miss people. We are gonna miss people who have never heard of Jesus for the first time. There's actually an acronym that's out there. Many of you might be familiar with this acronym. The acronym is UPG. Is anyone familiar with that, that acronym? UPG. What UPG stands for is Unreached People Group. And, and you might say, hey Greg, I mean this is 2017. 2017, 2,000 years after Jesus told us to go into all nations with all of the technology we have at our disposal, how is it possible there's any unreached people group or nation? And today there's some 6,000 that are considered without a gospel witness. Now that's a different one, that's difficult to reconcile, isn't it? But the reality of the reason that is the case is because we've, we've not really been targeting these places. They're, they're, they're places that are yucky. They're, they're places where they'll throw you in prison if you become a Christian. They're places where they'll kidnap your children, or worse. And so they're places that we don't allocate ourselves. And you know, I, I heard something a few days ago, and I felt like there was a good analogy. The, the NFL Combine is going on right now. I'm a, I'm a football guy, I love football. And I heard about this guy, they, Adidas, they did this marketing campaign. And what Adidas said is they, they said, hey, the, the flagship uh, sort of test at the, at the combine, they call it all the, the, the graduating college uh, 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 football players, they do all these different tests. And the 40-yard dash is the flagship, it's the most popular uh, as far as testing goes. And Adidas said, if anyone breaks the all-time record we're gonna give them an island. They just have to wear our shoes, but they, they just need to, if they can break the 40 yard, they weren't expecting anyone to do it. Well, lo and behold, this, this dude breaks that record. He runs a 40 yard dash in 4.22 seconds. Can you imagine, I mean, that guy is like, if he was in here running, it would be like a blur. You wouldn't have even seen him go past you. I mean, that is fast. But he didn't get the island because he wasn't wearing the Adidas shoes. And you know what he said? They asked him, I'm thinking, man. And they said, if we can't find you an island, we're just gonna give you a million dollars. I'm thinking, man, I missed out on a million bucks. And they asked this guy about it, you know, what do you think? And he goes, well, he goes, no big deal, because I can't really swim that well, and I don't have a boat. That's what he said. I can't really swim, and I don't have a boat. And you know what? Sometimes I think about that's sometimes the attitude in the church and missions. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't really, I'm doing something in Kenya. I mean, in Nairobi, in that Christian orphanage, we're doing something. Those guys in the north, eh, kind of whatever. Let me remind you that there wasn't a suggestion when Jesus told us to go into all the nations. Those are the last words he said. Those are the last words he said, and for the, the body of Christ needs to take that seriously. Apost the Apostle Paul understood that, that principle. What he said in Romans chapter 15 was, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. That was the, what the Apostle Paul said in that. Guys, 
as much as the church and Christianity is growing, would you believe me if I told you that every second of your life, every second, somebody is passing into eternity without ever having a single gospel witness in their life? That's a hard one to process, isn't it? I mean, I just came from my office in Comstock Park, and I, I think I passed 17 churches on my way here. I had my option of four Christian radio stations I could listen to. The idea of having access to the gospel is something that's difficult to comprehend. But you've got these unreached peoples around the world, and you, you might say, well, hey, what's an unreached? What, what does that practically look like? One of our strategies when we go into unreached is, is we show the Jesus film. Because that's a great place to start, isn't it? Let's see the life of Jesus in film. And in the next photo here, you'll see a, a screen there. And, and what that screen is, that's us, we're getting set. This, this, is, this is less than a month ago. And a people group or a nation called the Pygmies. We're showing them the life of Jesus through the book of Luke. And all these people gather around. Now what had happened, not at this gathering, but at one similar to this just a, a few months earlier, is these pygmies were watching the Jesus film. And you know the story. I mean, it starts getting more and more and more intense. I mean, they start beating Jesus. They start with Jesus is bleeding, the crown of thorns carrying the cross. And these pygmies who are about as stone age as you can imagine, as, as far as they're concerned, it's real. They don't understand you know, the video concept. So this one guy, this warrior guy is watching this. And he's watching an innocent man getting beaten for no reason at all. This guy's going, he's innocent. He starts making a ruckus and people are like, hey, just settle down, just settle down. It's, it's okay, it's okay. Well, finally he had had enough. And this next photo shows the, the man, the man that I'm talking about. He pulls back his bow and arrow and he launches it into the screen because he wants to take out some of those Roman soldiers. He had had enough. And the whole thing comes crashing down and my friend standing next to him, Dale, says, my friend, my friend. It's, it's just, a, it's a movie. Those are not real people. But the story is real. It happened. And he leads him to Christ and this guy is now distributing what we call our solar powered audio Bible, the treasure. That's what he's holding. And he's taking it around and he's leading people to Christ and, he, and he's sharing the good news with them. And it's, it's all because of a passion. Now, now think of it this way. Carl F. Henry said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Very difficult again for us to process, but let me remind you something. Let me remind you of something. For you and I, when we're in this earth, the believer, the follower of Jesus, this is the closest to hell we're ever going to get. But for the unbeliever, this earth is the closest to heaven that they'll ever get, if that is true. And so for you and I to focus on them and to realize the power as we're going in there, like a church like Resurrection Life, what, what changes people's lives? It's the power of God, it's, it's the word of God. It changes people's lives. We, we distributed some treasure in this area. This, this next man is a, he's a witch doctor. And he had never heard of Jesus in his life. 
and everybody was afraid of him. You might say, well, why, why was everyone so afraid of him? This guy cursed every single area that he came in contact with, and he killed six people. My biggest concern when I was near, because I was right near, is I'm, just, I'm like, Lord, I just pray this guy doesn't backslide. That's all I was thinking. I just don't, don't backslide. Because they were telling about all the people that he had killed. They, they had pulled out of there, and they, they said, here's some, some potion that, that he'll, that he'll you know, cast on people. And he's got a little thing, a poison that he dips the, 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 the tooth of a viper in this poison, and he would stab people with it. But someone gave him a treasure. Someone gave him the word of God. And he went home and he listened to it. And he said he had this vision of fire just coming down on him, fire, fire. And he woke up and he was just weeping. He didn't know, he didn't know what it was, but, but God revealed himself to this man. And after about 30 days, he came to that pastor next to him, the guy smiling, and he brought all of his stuff. And he said, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I'm, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Amen. It takes compassion. It's going to take compassion for you and I. But in some places, I was just talking to Merle earlier, and I said, Merle, I said, you know, there's some places where just going with the word of God as powerful as it is and the anointing and having a megaphone, we can't even get access to those places. We're not even allowed to come in there. And there's times in these people who have never heard of Jesus where, where we need to combine the, the humanitarian strategies with the power of the word of God and evangelism. And even Jesus modeled this. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, this is probably the most profound um, set in scripture that talks about Jesus caring about the, the human need, the depravity of our lives on this earth with the concern for their eternal well-being. So that scripture says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus cared about their life on this earth. He cared desperately. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? So many of these people, people Jesus never had a personal encounter with or discussion with, but he was moved with compassion for the multitudes because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, now I, I love this verse because in the Great Commission, what does he say? Go. He says, there they are, they're the nations, guys, go. But before Jesus said go, he said, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. You see, there's places that you and I would never get to. I was with a Nigerian chief a few years ago, and this was a village that our guys were trying to reach 100% Muslim. It's a place where Boko Haram has been active. I'm sure you've heard of Boko Haram, kidnapping those, the women, killing people, uh, persecuting Christians. In that area, I was there. In fact, they told me if I had gone down that road two months later, I, I probably wouldn't have come back. And I met this, this village chief, and he knew we were Christians. He saw the people with the Bibles, and he said, no, 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 you're not welcome. But then we made him a promise. We just listened to them and we heard of their situation. We made them a promise and it changed everything. So much so that he gave me a very special gift. 
He gave me a chicken. I mean, come on. How many times can you say, yeah, I went there and like, hey, I, now I couldn't bring that home to Kathy. Okay, so I, I couldn't bring that one home. But I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, this guy who was rejecting every attempt to share, all of a sudden this amazing red carpet of hospitality is rolled out, gives us a chicken. And then in the next photo here, not only that, but you'll see him sharing the word of God. This is a Muslim chief and he's sharing the word of God. Do you know why all those things were happening? Because the promise we made to him was that he told us they were walking three miles one way to get water. And we said, my friend, we're gonna put a water well in here. And that's what led to all these openings relationally. And so we put a water well in there. And you know what's happening today? There's a church. There's a church in that community. Now, had I come in there and just plowed my way in with aggression and saying, Jesus saves, I get nowhere. But I come in and I, and I bring a touch of concern for the condition on this earth and say, we want to bring water. Now, here's the beautiful thing when we're followers of Jesus. I'm not just talking about water. John 4.14, Jesus says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring with them, giving them eternal life. That word there is the same Greek word that's in, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That life is the same life that's talking about. It's the same life in John 10.10 10 that says, I have come that they may have life and have life abundantly. The same life, Zoe, Z-O-E, Zoe. That's what we have at our disposal, friends. As followers of Jesus, we can bring that life that is not only the clean water life now, but it's the eternal life. Because Zoe is a reflection of not only the spiritual, but also the physical and world mission. The Lord led us a number of years ago to start a, a ministry that we birthed out of world mission called Zoe Waters. And so with that, we, we go and we bring clean water, but we bring living water. We bring clean water, we bring living water. And, and guys, there's, there's so many places around the world that are in desperate need of clean water. Like, like this, this, this photo here in Kenya. They're walking, not only is it the only source of water, but when they get there after walking a couple miles, that's their only source of water, they have to kind of run out the baboons, and the different things that are down there. And what you can't see in that photo is the other 10 people that are, that are staggered down below there. It's, a, it's one of the most dangerous things you could imagine. People die all the time in their cave-ins and that kind of thing. But, but, but they, need, they need clean water. But you know what also northern Kenya needs? They need Zoe. They need Zoe. They, they, they need living water that won't run dry. And in northern Kenya, there's, there's all these different tribes in nations. You know, remember what I said? I said, that, I said that Kenya is a country. Kenya is a country filled with how many nations did I say? Over a hundred nations inside of one country. And so many of them need the living water. We're, we're putting water wells in there. And, and one of the areas that we do up in the northern part, there's this, this group of people called Ayana. 
Ayana, I-Y-A-N-N-A. They're, they're in amongst the, the Barana people in their northern part near Ethiopia. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Ayana. We met a young man who came from this Ayana cult. He came down to Nairobi for some studies and he found Jesus. Someone led him to Christ. And he went back to tell his father that he became a Christian. Now, now Ayana is essentially, if you were to take witchcraft, radical Islam, and, and level and, and literal satanic worship, and put them in a blender, you'd have Ayana. That's, that sounds beautiful, doesn't it? That's Ayana. And this young man who came to know Jesus, he came home and he told his father, he said, Father, I've become a follower of Jesus. He was happy. His father's next move as he looked at his son as he went into their kitchen and grabbed a knife and tried to take his son's life. That's Ayana. Guys, Ayana needs Zoe. They need Zoe. They need the transformational power of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what makes someone like, you know, follow this kind of a cult, Ayana, or even some of these areas that are, that are kidnapping young ladies like Boko Haram, or what's going on in Somalia with Al-Shabaab? What causes that? Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he said, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The beautiful thing about these places that I'm talking about is there's already people positioned who the goal is inside of them. They're ready. They're ready. They're, ready. They're just looking for, for people to kind of come alongside of them and, and give them things like the treasure. This, this precious lady here, she's walking 10 miles to get those. She, she heard that there was Zoe. She heard there was Zoe available in the form of a treasure, and she walked 10 miles one way to get those. Why? So she could take it to other people who had never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. There's people ready to be mobilized. There's people who are ready to be mobilized. But right now, tonight, we need you to pray, guys. We need you to pray for Northern Kenya. They're in the midst of devastating drought right now. Every single well that looks like this one right here that's under 100 feet deep, every single one is bone dry. The drought has been devastating. It's taking people's lives. We get emails literally every single day. People gather around like under this tree here. And in, in Northern Kenya, if you ask someone, hey, what, what's, your, what's your net worth? What do you, what do you have? They'll, they'll, they'll start counting their animals. They'll say, well, I have 27 goats. No, no, that's not what I asked. What do you have? Well, I have 27 goats, or I have three camels. Their, their lives are intricately woven around their animals. And what you see here is them gathering around, waiting. They're waiting for the one source of water within 50 miles of this area. But the next picture really tells even a, a more harsh story. We get these every single day of animals, their livelihood, their everything, laying scattered around the landscape. But Zoe's available. World Mission, what we do is we go in and we say, okay, if a hundred feet well is dry, let's go deeper. So two weeks ago, we were able to punch down to 900 feet. That was a sight. Can you say celebration? 
Oh, they were dancing around. They were so excited. But that's one well. That's one well. And so this last photo here, that's what we want to see happen. We, we want to bring some more. It's, it's not only about the clean water. That's, by the way, saving people's lives. It's saving villages. But every time we do something like that, the word of God goes in there. Because this represents Zoe. It represents more than just this world. It represents the next world. And it represents the discipleship-making process. So they can go and make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples. And I want to thank you because you guys have been a part of that for really years. But that's our opportunity right now. That's what's going on in Kenya. And I am so thankful for you. It's a blessing to be a part of this amazing congregation. And uh, I just want to pray for you and just encourage you and where God is leading you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word that changes us, Lord. Whether we are here in Granville, Michigan, or whether we are in the nations, the unreached nations of the world, Lord, you've given us all the opportunity to go and influence those who have never heard. Father, we pray for our friends in northern Kenya who are in the midst of devastating drought right now, Lord. We know they need Zoe. They need clean water, but Father, they need more than that. They need the living water that will never fade, the well that will never run dry in Jesus. Father, lead us, guide us, and direct us for how we can be a part of that solution tonight. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.